Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. For those who don't know me, I'm Kirsty Dolphin and I'm happily married to Pads, our vicar. So let us pray before we start. Father, please would you help me to speak and open our hearts and minds to hear your voice. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to think for a moment about recognising people. I don't know about you, but um, I can recall several occasions when someone said hello to me, and I can't for the life of me remember who they are. And as I'm sort of racking my brain, they usually help me out by sort of saying where we might have met or maybe some friends that we were with, and then I recognise them. So this morning, I want to talk about recognising Jesus. And to give you a bit of background to this passage we've just looked at, thank you, Paul, um, I'm going to look through the Bible. If you have one, please do um, open it at page 1089. If not, don't worry, just listen. So I'm going to look at chapter 20 on page 1089, which is the passage, the chapter before the passage that um, Paul read to us today. So let's start there. So in chapter 20, Jesus appears to his disciples in his resurrection body, which is clearly different, but just as real. And then in verse 14, 
Mary Magdalene, we read, was the first person to see Jesus after he rose from the dead. And she initially mistook him for the gardener. And it was only when Jesus called her by her name that she recognized him. And we read further on in verse 27 that Thomas only recognized Jesus when he saw his wounds and actually touched them. It's interesting if we move to verse 21 in chapter 20, that as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus commissions and equips his disciples by then breathing on them and receive and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit in verse 22. There's quite a lot going on just before we come to the passage that we're looking at today. They've been commissioned, they've been equipped, they've only recognized Jesus when he's actually either spoken to them or when they've touched his wounds. And then they've received the Holy Spirit as he said to them, so I'm sending you. He's breathed on them and they've received the Holy Spirit. Tom Wright in his uh, commentary says the point of receiving the Holy Spirit was that so the disciples can go and do what Jesus had been doing which was preaching the good news and healing the sick and casting out demons. So it's a little surprising as we come to this passage, chapter 21, which you can pick up in your service sheets if you haven't got a Bible, that we find that they've gone back to fishing. Or is it surprising? Peter is a bit of an action man, a bit like Pads, and he probably wanted to get on with life. So he went back to what he knew, which was fishing. Only they didn't catch any fish. Does that remind you of another story about fishing? The Gospel of Luke records in chapter 5 that they fished all night and didn't catch anything. Not until Jesus shows up and tells them to cast their nets again. And they make such a huge catch, the nets actually start breaking in that account. So picking up our reading today in chapter 21... The disciples are out on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 4, it says, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He even called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? This actually reminds me of walking the dogs down the Holy Brook around the back here. Because I would regularly ask the fishermen down there if they'd caught any fish. And Pads used to tell me it wasn't a good way to strike up a conversation. It would be a bit of a blow to their pride if they hadn't caught any fish. So I guess the disciples might have felt a little bit like that too, because they hadn't caught any fish. And they said, no, we haven't. Now at this point, they still didn't recognize Jesus. Jesus tells them in verse 6 to throw their nets on the other side of the boat, and there they will find some fish. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It goes on to say there were 153 in all, which is amazing. And then moving on to verse 7, we read that the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. A little aside here, in case like me, you wondered who this disciple is that Jesus loved. It's widely accepted to be John, who is the author of this gospel. And it doesn't mean that he loves us or anyone else any less, but just that he had a special bond with John. 
Peter, in response to hearing, it is the Lord, leaps into the water, but only after he has put his outer garment on. Actually, some um, translations said put his clothes on. So it's a bit puzzling why he puts his clothes on before leaping into the water and getting wet. But my understanding is that Peter was Jewish, as was Jesus, and Jews recognized greeting one another as a, a sort of religious act that you could only do once you were fully clothed, which suggests he was fishing naked, but that's another sermon which uh, I'll let Pads do. I don't know about you, but I love Peter. He can be quite impulsive, which I can relate to, and his passion for Jesus is almost tangible. He can't get to Jesus fast enough. Does he recognize life without Jesus comes to nothing? Do we recognize how much we need Jesus? Perhaps like the disciples, we don't recognize what Jesus is doing and are actually doing things on our own strength. John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, Mary Magdalene recognized Jesus when he called her name. Thomas recognized Jesus when he touched his wounds. And you may recall the story on the road to Emmaus. Jesus' followers didn't recognize him until he broke bread with them. For my part, I didn't recognize Jesus for most of my life, even when Pads first recognized him some 14 years ago. I didn't want to have anything to do with church. I thought it was boring and completely irrelevant to my life. However, Pads' newfound faith made me very uncomfortable. In fact, I felt quite threatened by it. I used to say he'd joined the God Squad. So what happened? Well, for the sake of our marriage, I made a decision to find out the truth for myself about the claims of the Christian faith. I went on several courses, including the Alpha course, which we're currently running, but I never stayed very long on the courses. I would run away after the first couple of sessions, especially if they mentioned the Holy Spirit. But on my third attempt never give up. Something bizarre happened. Every time someone mentioned Jesus' name, I started to well up. And you have to understand, I don't do tears. So that was very unnerving for me. And I kept telling myself to get a grip. Partway through the course, I was invited to lunch with Claire, who was the course leader. She was very direct. And she asked me if I believed in Jesus. I said at that point I did, and she asked if I would like to invite him into my life. Well, I knew Pads had done that, so I didn't think it would do him any harm. We said a short prayer, and nothing happened. To be quite honest, I didn't expect anything to happen. It wasn't until later, as I was telling Pads what I'd done, that I felt this incredible heat flow through my body, and it was like scales fell off my eyes. And I describe it as falling in love with the Jesus I never knew. I met Jesus and everything changed. Everything literally looked brighter, and I don't recall ever experiencing such immense joy. I kept saying to people, why did no one tell me about Jesus? Well, the answer was they did, 
but I just did not recognise him. I became passionate about sharing my faith. I wanted everyone to meet Jesus. One of my friends, Jan, was interested, uh, but the rest started to avoid me. I realised, in hindsight, the reason my net was so empty because it was really because I was trying to make people believe. I would go on and on and on about Jesus. I would try to persuade them. I never thought to ask Jesus to help me. I couldn't understand why my people didn't believe. I just thought he was so amazing. However, one day I shut up very abruptly when a close friend of mine told me I was putting people off Jesus, and I was absolutely mortified. That was the last thing I wanted to do. So I had to learn, and I'm still learning, how to do life with Jesus, how to listen to his voice. And like all relationships that are worth pursuing, that takes time and commitment. One of my favorite passages in John's Gospel is when Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and calls each one by name. The sheep listen to Jesus, their shepherd, because they recognize his voice and they follow him. I want us all to be sheep-like like that, to listen to Jesus, to recognize his voice and to follow him. So back to our passage. Verse 9 says, When they landed on the shore, there was a fire of burning coals with fish already on it and some bread. Jesus already had some fish on the barbecue. He was the only one who could meet the disciples' needs. But he chose to partner with them. And he invited them to bring some of the fish that they had caught. He desires relationship, doing stuff together. I wonder at this point if the disciples understood that they had been doing things in their own strength and that's why their nets were empty. I think they were slowly recognizing that Jesus was indeed the Lord. And verse 12 goes on to say that none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew he was the Lord. As we recognize Jesus in our own lives, we too can help our communities recognize him in the way we live our lives, sensitively talk about him, care for one another, and provide for those in need. I want to tell you another story about finding Jesus in the everyday. On Monday this week, we had the Year 6 pupils down from Southcote Primary School. They had come to hear an RE-inspired session on death and funerals, a light subject. On their way here, they told us they had seen a funeral cortege which I thought was quite amazing. It was quite a helpful coincidence. Then one of the books we were reading, which is called Waterbugs and Dragonflies, in fact, I've got a little copy of it, if anyone wants to borrow it, Waterbugs and Dragonflies. Um, It's actually aimed, really, at younger children, but we asked the children to listen to the story um, and to sort of think how how it might help people, especially young children, to understand a little bit about death. The story goes like this. The water bugs are all happily living at the bottom of the pond, and every now and again, one of them climbs up the reed and disappears. One day, a group of friends meet together and decide that the next person to go up the reed will report back 
and let them know what it is like up there and why they went. Shortly after, one of them starts to climb up a reed to the surface of the pond. He pops out on a lily pad and falls into a deep sleep. On waking, he is amazed how he has changed. He has wings now and a different body. He opens his wings and flies high above the pond. Just then he remembers his friends down below. He can see them scurrying about at the bottom of the pond. So he dips into the water to go and tell them. But oh dear, he has wings now. He can't return. And then he realises they wouldn't recognise him anyway in his lovely new body. He decides that he will just have to wait until they all become dragonflies like him. And he flies off to explore his wonderful new world. Now, the story is lovely and it's full of hope. But the extraordinary thing that happened just before the children arrived, we were having lunch, the team were having lunch in the chapel out there. And would you believe it, a dragonfly flew into the chapel and landed on the top of the cross. It wasn't a bee or a wasp, which you might expect at this time of year. It was a dragonfly. A coincidence? I don't think so. So how do we recognise what Jesus is doing in our lives? We have heard that the disciples who were called by name recognise the risen Jesus by his words and his actions. And we too are called by name to recognise Jesus through his living word, the Bible. Through prayer, which is basically talking and listening to God, and through his actions in the world around us. Just as Tom Wright pointed out, the disciples received the Holy Spirit in order to continue the work of Jesus. So we too have been given the Holy Spirit, who reveals Jesus to us and helps us to grow in our faith and equips us to continue his work in the world around us. I mentioned the disciple Thomas at the beginning, who said he would not believe until he had touched Jesus' wounds. Interesting that Jesus' response to him was, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So know that we are all blessed. And I believe a key ingredient to recognising Jesus is to be expectant. To expect to meet him in the everyday. So let us be expectant. And let us seek the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. For he has promised that those who seek will find. For those who knock, the door will be opened. And for those who ask, they will receive. John sums up his gospel far better than I can. At the end of chapter 20, by saying, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen.